1: This is the DiPietro and Rothenberg podcast. Yep. Listen live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 a.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York. Yep. The ESPN New York York. app. Yep. Or on your smart speaker by asking it to play 98.7 ESPN. This is DiPietro and Rothenberg. For Brooklyn, they were ready to be done
0: with this Kyrie Irving situation.
2: And this is tenure this run from Kyrie and Kevin Durant goes down as one of the epic failures in I would almost say sports history and they'll
3: be aggressive between now and Thursday's trade deadline to try to get more help around Kevin Durant
2: biggest mistake was tying his legacy to Kyrie Irving I'm
3: gonna hitch my wagon to Kyrie who couldn't find a way to make it work with LeBron
2: an epic disaster there's nothing positive to say about it and it's now done this
1: is D. Pietro and Rothenberg on ninety-eight point seven.
0: ESPN. Push me, cause I'm all right, this is the big seven o'clock
2: a. hour, and at some point, hopefully, this hour, Nick Friedel will join us, and he's had his finger on the pulse of the Nets team all year long. Has traveled with them and followed them, and gotten into confrontation with uh, with the uh, the great Kyrie Irving. So he will join us at some point. We still got to go around the league. A lot of NFL news, notes, nuggets to get into. We have uh, Sim at 9.15 this morning. So a lot to do on this Monday morning. This portion of the show, driven by the All-American Ford Auto Group, the number one volume Ford Group in the Northeast. Huge locations in Paramus, Hackensack, Old Bridge, and Point Pleasant. Shop allamericanford.net. That's allamericanford.net. Now, what I don't want to have happen is that the entire show is dedicated to Kyrie, and we don't have enough time to discuss the Knicks. And like we mentioned earlier, I think it's fair to say, that's their best win of the entire season. They've had some good ones. That, to me, best win of the season.
3: I think when you're all in, you had the, the context of what happened, yes. No R.J. Barrett. He's a late scratch. Getting your heart ripped out by the Clippers. And then being down 21 points and bouncing back the way you bounce back. And the grittiness. Uh, I mean, 50-50 balls, offensive rebounds. You know, <laughs> Hartenstein getting beat up by Joel and Embiid. But he had a big night. Fournier stepping up, making big threes. How good was he? Deucey. Huh? Oh, he was awesome, dude. Then you got the crowd chanting Eagles suck. I mean, that game had everything. Yeah, but apparently
2: there was some pro and Santiago could, could comment on this better than I can, certainly. Uh some very pro
0: Eagles chants. I heard well, Justin Tuck showed up on Garden Vision because you know he likes to go to a lot of these games. Right. And like as soon as like he he was done waving to the crowd, like a very loud and clear Eagles chant broke out. It was it was disgusting. <laughs> you were you were really bothered by it. How could you not? Were you? Were you not? I I don't. I didn't hear it. It was very loud. I didn't hear it. It was a Let's Go Eagles. No, no. It, it was the chant. You know the one. Oh, they, were they spell? Th- this one.
3: Don't play it. B- B-
0: no, no, no. B-
4: oh. B-
2: what? You know what? what loud and clear. loud I and clear. Real loud. spent the whole
3: weekend with a gross Eagles fan. Wore an Eagles medallion the whole weekend. What, what does that mean, an Eagles medallion? He had an Eagles necklace
2: on the whole weekend. A, me, a medallion, though? Was he a, a cab driver? What What is he doing? No, it's a a,
3: a, a, a medallion on his necklace. A, he wore it a, the whole time? Yeah, an Eagles charmer on like, his like necklace.
2: Like he's, he's dressed to the nines for the wedding, and he's got an Eagles medallion dangling out on his shirt?
3: Eagles necklace. He had an Eagles winter hat. All of it. Ugh.
2: That, that's really awful. <laughs> Gross. How did you guys allow this?
3: Ah, uh, because he's humongous, and we
5: just—he uh, ah, he could probably terribly... this
2: man could pummel you.
3: Ah, uh, probably yeah, probably he's he's ginormous. Yeah,
2: cockroaches—that's what we think of him.
3: Um, listen, I mean, he loves him some Nick Sirianni, of course, he and does. I, I would I would go back and forth, but. What am I gonna say? His team's in the Super Bowl. Mine's didn't make the playoffs. What am I gonna yeah,
2: say? His team's in the Super Bowl. They they hammered both teams they played in the postseason. Um, it's a it's a fair point. We we just all hope. It, wouldn't you say? Unless you're an Eagles fan, you're rooting for Kansas City this weekend.
3: I hope so. I, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, how can you not? Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, Mahomes is
2: very likable. Like the Eagles are just they're unlikable. All the city, the fans,
3: awful. Jalen Hurts is pretty likable though. Yeah, Hertz is likable,
2: but the the fans are extremely, extremely unlikable.
3: Coach unlikable, fans unlikable, GM unlikable. Yeah,
2: yeah, I don't find Roseman as unlikable as you do, but he acts up though too. He's the same thing. He acts up. Coach is grotesque. I mean, absolutely grotesque. Fans just repulsive. You know, I was thinking because people say, "Well, what do you want?" They're passionate fan base. You know, else is a passionate fan base like Duke. Duke basketball. You go there, and and they're insane. But you don't fear for your safety when you go to Cameron.
3: No, you can be you can be passionate and not be abusive, you know, throwing, throwing eggs at people and like aggressive to the point where like fans from other like wives from other teams don't want to ever show up in your building ever again. Especially at the price of eggs,
2: <laughs> they're, very, they're very expensive right now.
3: Yeah, my wife would never go back to Philly. Like, yeah, it's it's, it's bad. too news. much.
2: So, all right, so Knicks fans, 100-919-3776. And like I said, the theme is going to be Kyrie, and it, it should be for the entire day, but we got to sprinkle in a lot of other big topics. And that Knicks win last night, it, again, I don't think this is hyperbole, is a phenomenal victory because, like you mentioned, you have to factor everything in. You had a heartbreaking loss. The day before, you had an exhausting loss the day before. Guys played a ton of minutes. Then you find out right before the game, you're not going to have RJ Barrett. So everything is going against you, and you come out and you kind of look like we thought that they might. And that is tired, slow, sluggish, but boy, oh boy, to fall behind 20 to one of those teams, one of those upper echelon teams, and come fighting back and take the lead and pull away late is, like we said, a monumental. That's a tremendous victory for the Knicks.
3: It's a great victory. Have guys step up, bench stepped up. I mean, Julius Randle down the stretch. Say what you want. I know you don't love Julius Randle, but he had a couple big offensive rebounds, couple big buckets. The one where he, the one where it looked like he turned down the layup, and they're like, I think he could have just had a layup. He brings <laughs> yeah. it back, and then he throws the floater, the floater high off the glass, and even he was surprised that it went in. But hey, whatever,
2: it went in. Whatever is right. I mean, listen, I don't love Julius Randle, but I can admit that he's. He, he's a valuable piece He's you a know good what, player You know what the thing is And this is I think somewhat concerning uh, So I was at, at Alex's basketball game Was following the Knicks game on, on my phone So they were down big Like oh god Get in the car Poor Ed Cohen Did you hear Ed Cohen?
3: The voice was going,
2: yeah. Oh, the voice is going. He said it's so scratchy, and and those are the worst when you really can't speak, and your job is to, in fact, speak. So I'm like, oh, this is so awful. You
3: and carry, then, you carry.
2: Yeah, I'm carry. surprised he didn't say to John Wallace, "You carry,
3: you carry." <laughs> Why tired. would you lock yourself into his 50-year option? You don't
0: even. <laughs> you go, oh my right. God, are you all right? Carry, <laughs> you carry.
3: <laughs> yeah, you
2: know of that That's soundbite.
3: That's one of the great ones of all time. The
2: nicest thing in that whole thing is Raymond. Like, Raymond has a genuine concern for my well-being in that soundbite. <laughs> I, was, and all- I, was, I was worried. Oh, my God. Are you all right? <laughs> you
3: carry. You carry. Yeah.
0: Because uh, that's what I, th- I think about the show. <laughs> I'm not thinking about me. You added to it because you just th- you're throwing out the you carry. <laughs> Your head is ducking out of the Zoom. Well, I was coughing. <laughs> I thought this man was choking on air. <laughs> no, I, I I had some... Some water
2: he that would smash smashed
3: the blood. whole pole in spring water.
0: All right, you you're missing the
2: point. The point is <laughs> it couldn't have looked more dire. It was a disaster. And to come back and fight back with everything against you. Oh, so here's what I am saying. So I'm I didn't, I didn't even realize I'm in the car listening to Ed Cohen, get home, watch a few minutes of the game. I'm like, wait a minute. Is RJ Barrett not playing in this game? I didn't know he was inactive, and the thing that's kind of concerning is I didn't even notice and I didn't even really miss that he wasn't playing last night.
3: Well, yeah, he didn't play great against the Clippers. So, I mean, that's, again, I mean, I, I was listening to Alan was on with Ty yesterday, and Ty finally asked him, which I thought was a good question about RJ. And even Alan said that he hasn't, um, he don't, he doesn't know if it's RJ came into camp, just not in, in the best shape or whatever it was, that he just has not taken that step. And it's concerning now. I mean, it's his year four. I know he's a young guy, but it, like you said, it's year four
2: now. Hey, young, young guy enough of that, though. It's year four. By year four, you know.
3: I, I was just saying that, yeah. Like, I mean, he's a, in age, yes, but he's been in the league before. This is his fourth year in the league.
2: Yeah, by year four, you feel like you should know. But again, I don't want to bury the the moment that you have to discuss, and that is that's a that's a that's a great win, is what that is.
3: That's a fantastic win because that's again that's another that would have been another home loss, and not, let's not forget either the Sixers had won eight straight road games too,
2: and they've been playing great basketball. And and they're a deep, talented team, and you've struggled against them. And again, there's there's nothing negative to say. That is a sensational win for the Knicks yesterday.
3: Sensational. Great win. Great win. There's nothing you could say. So it's the first it was my first thought after that game was this is the best win of the season for all the I mean all the reasons that we were just talking about.
2: I mean Fournier was I mean, excellent, excellent in this game.
3: Fournier was great. Ducey was good. Hartenstein was great. Hartenstein had fourteen rebounds. Fifteen. I'm sitting here looking at. It. He's got 14 rebounds, 15, um, 14. Well, they showed on the on the next game last night that it was 15. Well, it was adjusted to 14. He had 10 defensive rebounds and four offensive rebounds. Well, then then MS. <laughs> so
2: you're going right after MSG and the statisticians <laughs> right, at the Garden. Right at him is where you're going. Right at him because they had 15. By the way, oh. did you see this <laughs> the other night? John Morant. Speaking of uh, stats being adjusted, John Morant was like plus 750. There's going to be an issue with all the gambling that goes on now. He was plus 750 to get a triple-double, right? He had a triple-double. Take him out of the game. He's done. Rides the bench the rest of the way. They redo the stats after the game. They take away a rebound. He doesn't have a triple-double.
3: Oh, no. That's what happens, though, with all this gambling stuff. I
2: man. know. But c- could you imagine if you had him to win to get a triple-double and you're, like, spending the money, and then you find out later that they
3: took a rebound away? Uh, no, I'd be pissed. Yeah, you would. John Morant's got some stuff going on, too, now with his traveling uh, with his. um, It says this was according to The Athletic. Acquaintances of John Morant aggressively confronted members of the Pacers traveling party and later someone in a slow-moving SUV, which Morant was riding in, trained a laser on them. Wait, what? That a Pacers security guard in the loading area at the time remarked, that's 100% a gun.
0: Gave him the boys in the hood treatment. Oh, my God. So, keep an eye on
3: that story.
2: Yeah, that's going to be looked into by the NBA. Right. What so they're saying that that the, in the traveling party of Morant there was a
3: weapon? Uh, there was a it was a laser trained on the Pacers, yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah, that's that's got to be investigated deeply by the NBA.
3: I would imagine so. I mean, yep. it's, it's, they don't know if they don't they're not for sure if it was if it was a gun. Well, that's the, the thing. How are you can ever prove that it was a, a I, gun. Right. But the Pacers security guard said that he was, there was a hundred percent a gun, but I like we don't know yet. So right. I just wanted and to bring it to everyone's attention.
2: Well, I think you should, and I think it's going to be very difficult to prove. Uh, I have a Nick Foredell time for you, by the way. What we got? Seven forty-five. That's nice. Yeah, seven forty-five. Now it gets right in the wave around the league. We can find a new spot for around the league, I believe. Yeah, but this is what
3: happens, though. I mean, it's a Super Bowl week, but we're not tied into just NFL stuff. We have the freedom to do what we need. Oh, we can roam.
2: It's a, it's a full roam because we're four hours now in, in, as opposed to the three, which we had a couple, couple weeks ago.
3: Speaking of roaming, I almost sent you guys in an unbelievable hippopotamus video yesterday. Uh, these days, sad. And,
2: and why why did you not? Like, what stood in the way from you deciding, you know what? I'm not going to send this.
3: I'll tell you why. Yeah. Because uh, Santiago's stinky droid phone i was like this thing's not going to go through why would i send it
2: really so if you send a group text to all of us the one that stands in the way of us receiving said text santiago stinky droid right mm-hmm.
3: this, this thing was smashing watermelons and it was coming out of the wall oh, these things are fast wild they're athletic uh, dude, they're, i dude they are they mean they are the ultimate I'm, I'm telling you i would i would come back as a hippo in a second yeah, but year, then you'd be un- unattractive. They can stand. They have this reflex that they can sleep underwater. This reflex where their head will pop up so they can get breath and still stay sleeping. Yeah, but that but they're they're ugly. So what do you mean? So uh, you're a what, handsome but,
2: guy. Now you're going to trade yeah, in but, your your looks just to be a, a menace.
3: No, I could be a handsome hippopotamus. I don't have to. I'm not trying to impress other animals. I'm trying to impress other hippopotamuses. No. no what do you mean? No. Uh, no. I don't. R J.
2: I don't think you're it's trying to like I, impress the uh, the other Well, how many? I, I think you're you're trying to
3: impress the masses. Well, how many how many hippopotamus other animal relationships have you seen? It's all like I'm going to go try to like I don't know. I'm not following closely
2: the the you know chosen selection of right. who the hippopotamus and or deer and or lions are choosing to date.
3: Like if I see a sexy tiger, I can't go I'm not going to go wheel a sexy tiger. I'm going to stick with the hippopotamus. Okay, you see that lioness over there? I'm gonna go to try. I'm gonna go try wheel this lioness. Well, you'll have no chance
2: because you will be unattractive.
3: I want to be a hippopotamus. I'd be the ha- the most handsome. What if I'm the most handsome? hippopotamus?
2: if you not. How, how about if you're not? How about if you're the the elephant man? A hippopotamus. I
3: I bite your head off. Doesn't matter.
2: So you're just you're ferocious is what but, you are. Of course. Yeah, and it's all about power with you. Physical control and power. <laughs> I'll tell you what.
3: I'll tell you what. I did not have control at this wedding because this one woman at the carving station was my nemesis.
2: What did she do? She, she would, took
3: forever. No, okay. They had stations, which I like, right? So stations they had, but they had this beautiful beef tenderloin station with this. This is they,
2: appetizer hour.
3: No, this was for dinner. They had, they had the pass arounds. You had the pass arounds. Yeah, they didn't else. do so a they, sit down though. No, it was better. You had the stations. Go up, get your own food. It was great. But she refused. She gave me every time I went up. Two of the most thinly sliced pieces oh. of filet mignon you've ever seen. In your... Well, why did you bite. say? Excuse me, madam, she would I'm not do hungry. it. Hungry, I, Dave, she would not do it. Only two slices every single time,
2: and they and had I... to be like la- laser thin,
3: like you could see through them. They were so thin. <laughs> I could take both pieces on the fork and eat them at just you know one you bite. You should have
2: done. You should have gone up. And then gone right back and said, I did. take two more and uh, give me two more. And by the time you're done, you have a plate full of razor thin slices of, of filet.
3: I did. I, I tried to shame her by stacking the plates up. Like, look, I'm going to get the best of you. And she would not. I couldn't break her.
1: Well,
2: what, Never wait, more than why? two slices. Why? I, do, I,
1: I don't know. That's ridiculous. Thanks for listening to the DPH Row and Rothenberg podcast. I think they're listening to me.
3: They're everywhere. Dave. I know you're
1: here. Catch the show on demand wherever and whenever you want.
3: Woohoo! Over here!
1: Just subscribe to us, rate us, and review us wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Phone lines all lit up today. Busy day. We'll get to the Jets. Sounds like you got some competition, my friend. Stop it. What do you mean? There's no
3: competition. Stop.
2: All right, so, so you f- firmly expect him to be a, a member of the Jets?
3: No, no don't, use, don't use what you heard over the weekend at, at, at Pebble. To think that there's – I mean, there's definitely going to be competition, but – I think the Raiders I mean, that are going to be your
2: competition.
3: Listen, yes, Devontae Adams would love for Aaron Rodgers to be a Raider. But what he was talking about was the people that were there spectating. There was a lot of Raiders fans. Aaron won, by the way, the pro terrific.
2: Win. He's a good golfer.
3: Ah, He's a good golfer. That's an awesome event, man. I used to go to that when my buddies played in it. What an event. Is that
2: that waste management thing?
3: No, no, that's this week. This is the uh, this is at Pebble. This is in uh, the Pebble Beach Pro Am, which hasn't finished yet because it got too dark last night. But awesome event. Uh, Peyton, I've I've seen last time I went, Peyton was there. Actually, was at a party with Peyton Manning. Um, crazy party. Uh, Tom Brady plays. Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen plays. There's a bunch of bunch of good celebrities that play in it.
2: Uh, all right, well, let, let's continue with the basketball theme, and we'll get back to the uh, over to the NFL after Nick Friedle joins us. So right around 8 o'clock, I think we'll switch over, morph into a little football conversation. We go around the league, get into Rodgers, hear what he has to say yesterday at this event. Let's go to Steve in Wayne. Steve, good morning. You're next up on
4: 98.7. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, I'm going to bash Cibito again, and I'll do it every chance I get. So uh, I understand Barrett was out last night. Uh, Fournier finally gets in the game. He goes five of eight. Uh, so you're telling me that Fournier uh, is pointless, can't play, uh, but goes five of eight, and Thibodeau can't find any minutes for this guy? It's one Not game, 10, man. 12, 15 minutes.
3: It's one game, Steve. It's one game. Yeah, it was great. I
4: get it. But,
2: but he fell we out don't of the rotation
3: he until he plays.
2: Is that is that what you want though, Steve? Like you think to yourself before the game last night, boy, you know what? I need to see more Evan Fournier or some Evan Fournier. I, I've seen enough. The, but you feel the opposite than that. The guy clearly has something left, so why not play him to show his trade? Hopefully, increase his trade value. I don't think anybody's taking on that contract. He
4: hasn't shot well. well listen, what can I, you lose?
3: Yeah, listen, he, he hasn't shot well games. He could lose games. He hasn't shot well. He fell out of the rotation. He's not good defensively, and he had a big night. Great. It has not worked out from here. He shot like he's real
2: very well last night. That's terrific, and and I I was thrilled that he did. But to look at him and say now he's a piece of the rotation off of one game where he shot the ball well seems silly. He's shooting
3: less than thirty three percent from three right now on the season.
2: He's a defensive
3: liability. Well, he had a great game, man. I just enjoy the fact he had a great game. We could, I mean, yes, could we use more perimeter shooting? Yes, we could. And is he's that four shooter? I don't, I don't think so. And neither does tips. I give the guy credit though. He's a pro. I mean, he's a pro.
2: You know, he keeps his mouth shut, and when he's asked to go in there, he gives everything he has. That's all you can really ask for. A and he made big
3: plays. He made big plays. The one pass he made, the, the one pass he made to uh, to Ducey in the left corner was a big, was a nice play. And he played
2: and, well too. McBride's a nice player.
3: He is. Well, they, I mean, they're finally they got some some contributions from their bench. That's been something that hasn't been consistent, right? Used to be one of their big time strengths, and now it's kind of. Going down to nine men rotation nine man rotation, Derek Rose can't play like there's a bunch of they've had some issues with the bench, but they had a big night last night.
2: Raymond is puzzled with something. He said in my ear. What? Why why do you why does he keep calling him Deucey? It's
3: Deuce
0: McBride. Yeah.
2: It's his nickname.
0: Yeah, Deuce is the nickname. But yeah, so but, why can't I call him Deucey? I don't know. It's he's not playing hockey. That's a that's a hockey ish nickname.
3: You don't think anyone of they call him Deucey? Well how, how, I, I don't think that they do, work? no. Guaranteed they call him Deucey. You think it's Deucey? Oh, what do they call Deuce Bigelow? What does he call him? He calls him Deucey. Well, Deuce is already the nickname, though. Yeah, but you make it, you say Deuce. So
0: Deuce Bigelow's given name was Deuce? No, no. Miles McBride's nickname is Deuce. I understand
2: that. But do you think that Deuce Bigelow's actual given name was Deuce?
3: You don't think anyone in the locker room is like, hey, Deucey. I haven't heard it yet. I guarantee. I'll, I'll ask I'm around.
0: Guaranteed. I'll ask around.
3: Will well, you,
2: really will you ask? Around? You know, why don't you go right to the source? Go to Deuce McBride and ask him. Maybe I will. I think you should. Say, listen, we're discussing it on the show. One of the guys on the show calls you Deucey and guarantees that that is your nickname. I'm just the, throw, I'm just room. thrown
0: off by it. He he keeps going to Deucey. I'm like, mm, okay.
2: He said, he said it for years. That's what he said.
0: Got Deuce Bigelow calls him Deucey. Mm. That's it. It comes back to Deuce
3: Bigelow. No, but I would just call. I would call him Deucey. If I was in the locker room, I'd say I wouldn't say hey Deuce. I would say hey Deucey. You think Deuce McBride is
0: familiar with that movie? Yeah, uh, he has should to be. be. If he had, if he had, yeah, his he has nickname's Deuce.
2: He
3: has to be. How could you not?
2: He has to be familiar with that movie.
3: Ask him. Do it. Tell him, Ask tell MSG you want to sit down with Deucey McBride. See what they say.
0: I'll ask it that way and see where it not you? Why don't you put in with uh, with PR
2: for the Knicks and say, I'd like a five-minute sit-down with with Deuce McBride before a game. For the morning get, show. And then record it, and then we'll play some of the clips on the show with us the next morning. All right. We'll see if we can make that happen. Yeah. With, why don't
3: we use you more? For, I mean, you're at the, you're at the arena every really game. really should
2: take advantage of your, right. your access to everything at the Garden. A different
0: capacity, though. That's the you
2: know well, what it is. He's a, a reporter. Butt- he's
0: not, he's not nasty Santiago. He's professional. I, can't, up I can't be, I can't be nasty Santiago over there.
3: Yeah, hey, why don't you go ask some questions though for the show? Ask some nice, uh, some nice questions.
0: Yeah, or, or why do you go into those press conferences and be like, uh, yeah, Raymond Santiago representing DiPietro and Rothenberg, but but I'm not representing DiPietro and Rothenberg when I'm there. But for that question, you would be
3: <laughs> for that. you can have multiple roles, right. You could, could p- have maybe two capacities. They're in a completely different
0: capacity. Have two capacities then.
2: That's right. I'm here in, in dual capacity. Some people have dual citizenship. Why can't you have dual capacity?
3: <laughs>
2: <You're right. laughs> I'm not sure that's quite the same. I think it's very similar. Uh,
3: we have to figure this out because we're, we're, we're wasting you. There.
2: We're wasting you. You're over there. How close were you to doing play-by-play for Ed Cohen last night? I don't think it was that close. We managed, we, we managed to save him. Was there a a, a contingency plan in place, though?
0: There was a contingency plan. Yeah. Was it you? Was that Pat O'Keefe? It may have been. It was, wasn't it? It may have been. Listen, we're not going to discuss that, but it it may have been. It's all buttoned up over there. It's like ironclad
3: at the Garden, isn't it? No, not really. Uh, you, of course it is, because Santiago That's shows just- up, he's got his tie, he's got his sport coat, he's all, butt- oh, he's all ve- buttoned
2: it's up. It's very serious and very fancy. I'm trying to look
3: professional. Stuffy.
2: And on this show, it's the Cowboys thing. All right, let's go to Leo in the Bronx. Good morning, Leo. You're on 9870
4: SPN. Yeah, what's going on, guys? What's up, buddy? No, no, I just wanted to talk some Kyrie stuff. Okay. Um... I want to go back. Uh, you know, I'm not a Kyrie fan, but um, I feel like he gets uh, this whole thing started with the, the the COVID, and I wanted to take the COVID shot. So I think from that point on, he's been uh, NBA enemy number one. Well, it didn't really but, start uh,
2: with the COVID, Leo. If you remember, the year before he went missing, remember in Boston? No, no, no. With the Nets, <laughs> what? Went, went, didn't know they didn't know where he was. Remember? <laughs>
4: When,
2: uh, when KD got hurt, right? When Kyrie went missing and showed up on like a Zoom for a congresswoman uh, during a Nets game and then at a birthday party and Steve yeah, no, Nash had no idea where he was.
4: Was that during the time when uh, Durant was hurt, right? Or no? I don't remember if I'm Durant wrong was wrong hurt, but, I
2: don't, but what's the difference if Durant was hurt or not?
4: I mean, okay, so I'll give you that one, and then I uh, and then uh, we'll say the Boston. That was a little funny, but um, I don't, you know. But then I think from the moment from the city, the the COVID, and then um, you know everybody's like, oh, you know, you got to be a good teammate, this and that. It's disrespectful to Durant to the NBA, but then you know, come to find out that you know the city, people are getting, you know, city workers are getting sued. For firing people for not getting the COVID shot. So it's like ultimately Kyrie was correct for not wanting to take the shot. And I think he got really like I think his name is Sully because of that. No. And I haven't heard especially A. he was like the bandwagon of that. Like, oh he, he doesn't want to work. He doesn't want to show up. And I think, no, I think it was from that. And I had, Leo had, Le- Leo, I, I think it was, a, was
3: Le- Leo I think it was an accumulation of everything. It wasn't just the, it was his decision. Like, it was everyone's decision whether or not they wanted to get the COVID shot. It wasn't, it wasn't just that. It was he's not available for his team. He will find ways not to show up and play basketball. Basketball is not his number one priority. He came here and helped get the coach fired.
2: He, he went mi- he literally missing where they didn't know where he was. Then he had the COVID thing. Then he had the anti-Semitic thing. And then he had demand a trade thing. I mean, it's it's one thing after the other. He couldn't make it work in Cleveland. It didn't work with LeBron. It didn't work in Boston. This is not a COVID shot isolated incident, which I think... Well, Italy no, don't
3: was- forget either, though. Don't forget either, though. I mean, the, the year that they both came here, KD was rehabbing from his, his Achilles. Right. So Kyrie, I mean, it was, I'm coming here to play with KD. KD's not playing. I'll get my shoulder done. I'll get my shoulder fixed. Now, no one should go to the bubble. No one go to the bubble. He's the, He's the vice president of the... Players' Association, like the the financial, the, all that all the the financial like turbulence created by COVID and everything else. Now telling players, no, don't go to the bubble. Like what that would have done to the league. The guys have decided not to go to the bubble.
2: The league is what it to
3: done. the yeah right to the to the salaries and everything else. And then you know it's not just the COVID shot; it's it's all of it. It's, it's the fact that he's played here. He was here four seasons and played 143 games and missed 175.
2: And they won one playoff series. And
3: him and Kevin Durant played together for 74 games in four seasons. And, 74.
2: And ask, and ask James Harden why he he demanded to get out of here.
3: The you the know? problem with the, the problem with this whole thing for Kevin Durant is that this like Kevin Durant is going to go down as an all timer. One of the greatest to ever do it. Kyrie will be in the conversation for one of the most skilled players ever. But Kevin Durant is going to go down as one of the greatest to ever play this game. And he knows that. And he wants to, he wants to make sure that when those conversations happen, that he has the requisite achievements to keep him there and have him in those conversations. Like this is His legacy is at stake, not Kyrie's.
2: Well, you, you tied your ship to the wrong person if you want your legacy to be uh, locked in, because it did not help his legacy at all.
1: Thanks for listening to the Pietro and Rothenberg Podcast. Looking for more access to the show? Why? Because you know why. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at DR on ESPN. Nick Friedel, who is a
3: very nice man, by the way. You ever meet Nick? I've never met him. I just I, uh, watched his work from afar. I think he does, I think he does a really good job. He's excellent. I wonder his because like, he's able
2: to and he does a really good job with this able to separate probably his like personal feeling from his job I I really look forward to speaking with him and seeing if if he envisioned this on the horizon with Kyrie I'm sure he did You think he knew that at some point it was going to combust to the point that
3: they had to trade him Yeah, well, I mean, he's so close to the situation. He I'm sure he talks to I mean, he talks to them uh, every day. Like, <sighs> you think he'll miss I, Kyrie? <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Like I, this had to be. The more I thought about it yesterday, the, the more I it came to the same conclusion that this had to be the plan the entire time. Was that I'm gonna play nice, and then as we get closer to the deadline, I'm gonna try to work out my extension. If they don't give me what I want, then I'm gonna try to find someone who will. It, with the threat of just not playing for the rest of the season.
2: Right, and that—that's what, what was the threat that he made. Is I'm—I'm I'm now done. Right. And, of course, he had, the what was it, a calf injury or whatever on uh, on Friday yeah, night? That
3: was uh, whatever kind of excuse, yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What are you doing? Uh, I don't know, Raymond, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Do we have Mexico? We do uh, not. Uh, uh, let, let's remedy that right away. Danny in Cancun. Good morning, Danny.
4: Good morning, Rick and Dave. How are you guys doing
2: today? We're doing great. You, I imagine you're vacationing in Cancun. Is that accurate? Yes,
4: sir. Yes, sir. I just arrived yesterday, and as I landed, I saw Kyrie got traded. Um, right. But shout out to the company, first of all. I got to, you know, say that first. But as a Nets fan, guys, I'm ecstatic. I mean, he's been nothing of a headache. I mean, he's a t- you know great talent, but it's been too many years of just straight drama. You know, hopefully now we can just play basketball and see where it takes us, wherever it takes us. But... At least there's no more drama with it, you know, with the Nets, as far as that aspect.
2: You know what I don't understand? And thanks for the call, Danny. I, 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 and you can cross Mexico off the list now, Raymond. I don't understand how you could be a Nets fan and be ecstatic. Like you put this plan in place and it failed in a in a major, major way. How how can you wake up today and just be like, I'm I'm ecstatic at the way this has happened?
3: I think because he's been such a problem that you're just happy that he's gone. But I, and it's also just you're trying to make the best out of an awful situation. It was an epic failure. Epic. And, I mean, the amount of uh, the amount of draft picks and everything else, else that you mortgage to try to make this work hasn't. And now you're sitting here today with two good players. I mean, Dinwiddie's a good piece. Finney Smith is a good piece. Uh, you still have, I mean, you still have a good team, and we'll see what it looks like now that this team can focus on just playing basketball. But I, I don't think you're closer to winning a championship. You still got Ben Simmons? Well, I don't I mean I question whether or not he really wants to play. Well, he f- always will seems this to find be, a way to not play. I, I think the biggest thing you need to and I'm going to ask Nick this is is the plan or whatever moves they make before the Thursday deadline going to be enough to make Kevin Durant want to stay? Cuz that I mean he's he's the reason you did all this. It Ke- was to get to Kevin Durant get, get Kevin Durant in the first place and now the moves you're making to try to keep Kevin Durant happy.
2: That is correct. And and that, and now you have to do any anything in your power to placate Kevin Durant.
3: Now if they lose Kevin Durant, that's nah, so wrap.
2: Oh my god. And they 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 very well could. You, I mean again we haven't heard from him yet. At some point he's going to say something.
3: I have to imagine he was involved or, or they let him know at least that this was this was going to happen.
2: Um yeah, they they Had must to have, have run it by They must have run it by him and said this is this is what's going to have to happen now. And he and, and I have to figure he probably signed off on it and said, All right, go ahead. Get rid of him.
3: I think K D likes the coach and I think K D is happy with just focusing on on basketball, but I think at thirty four years old and now with I mean what seems to be every year dealing with some kind of injury that he misses time because of, like, clock is ticking on him. Like he can't afford to keep wasting years. So you know. if you know, if we get past Thursday and we'll see how the rest of the season ends up but this team is nowhere close to being as good as Boston or as close to, good, you know, as good as Milwaukee, then, I mean, how does Kevin Durant decide to stay?
2: How? I I, I don't know. I I don't know how this is going to play out. I can't imagine it's going to end well for the Nets. Tristan Thompson kind of agrees with you and says KD will be the next one to ask out of Brooklyn.
4: This is not just a Kyrie decision. I can guarantee you right now. Kyrie definitely spoke to, you know, easy money sniper Kevin Durant and definitely had this discussion and Kevin Durant I could almost guarantee probably gave his blessing on him because you know what Kevin Durant is probably next asking out
3: how could if you're Kevin Durant how could you even pick up the phone if Kyrie called you
2: you got to be so disappointed maybe that's just that maybe it's just maybe it's just no me. that's not just you you have you have to be repulsed by Kyrie Irving
3: you have to be give him the blessing I wouldn't even pick up the phone
2: look what he's done but you know what? Kevin Durant's going to be a good soldier and I I would be willing to bet you good money that he doesn't say anything negative about him.
3: Dave, four seasons. They've played 74 games together
2: and they have one playoff series win. One. That's it. I want to hear this one. Patrick in Harlem understands why Kyrie wanted out. Patrick, you're on 987 ESPN.
0: Yeah, hey guys, first time caller, love the show. Um I I just I heard that the guaranteed money that the Nets offered were only if he wins a championship. And I was going to ask you, like, is that common for a management to, to do that? I feel like he took that as a slap in the face? Like, you know, if I got to win a championship just to get my guaranteed money, then
3: I'm out of here. Is it common?
0: So I was
2: just no. What you
3: think. no, I don't think it's it's not common, but it's also the Nets trying to protect themselves. Of
2: course. I mean, you, and you have to understand that. Look at what the guy has put them through. You'd think if he came here, played at every game, was a, was a good teammate— that they wouldn't have given him a four year max deal.
3: No, of course they would have. Of course they would have. Uh, they would want him tied. They would have wanted him tied up as long as KD was here. And KD's got three more years left,
2: so they feel like he forced the hand. They needed some kind of recourse in case things blew up, and that's what they offered. I don't. I think it's a smart thing for them. Of course, it was the a only thing for them. It was,
3: it was the only thing for them.
2: Uh, let's go to Don and Patterson. Hi, Don. You're next up on 98.7 ESPN.
4: Hey, good morning, fellas. Yeah, I don't think um, I don't think he makes it to the uh, end of the season. I think Mark Cuban, he's not going to deal with his. Well, he has nonsense. to. Yeah, he's like a like a like a psycho girlfriend. That yeah, you know, she's really hot and blah blah blah. But too much baggage, man. The guy's like out of his mind. Who knows? Yeah,
3: but she's got this. But she's uh, got this, this special thing that she does that you just can't get enough of.
2: Yeah, but you it, <laughs> he's he's got to be he's got to be well controlled the rest of the season.
3: Yeah, he can't go. He can't afford
2: anywhere. to 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 not be a good teammate and, and blow the amount of opportunities he's got on the horizon financially.
3: Yeah, that's why they that's why they gave up what they gave up. Is they're trying to they don't want to start wasting years of of Luka Doncic and they need to pair him up with a superstar. And this was this was a chance because I mean again when you look at what you know Rudy Gobert went for, or some of these big time guys go for, and then I mean, come Ky- Kyrie Irving's such a better player than Rudy Gobert. It's you weren't giving up a ton to get a guy when when he's right is one of the best players in the NBA, who should be on his best behavior and see how he fits with with Luca, and Kyrie's trying to get paid. Man, I wouldn't pay him, but no. he's hoping someone so, someone's
0: will. Go, so
2: uh, so he's going to be he's going to be good the rest of the year and someone's going to pay him. All right, a man who has had his finger on the pulse of Kyrie Irving in this story, in this situation, um, is Nick Friedell, and he joins us here on ninety eight seventy spn Good morning, Nick. You're a busy man, I imagine.
5: <laughs> Guys, this is the craziest story that I've come across in my 15-year career covering the NBA. So it was it was uh, not unexpected that it came down. I was just a little surprised that it came down so quickly after we heard about the request on Friday, but man, oh man, what an insane year it has been.
2: All right, so, so let me start out with this. You said it wasn't unexpected. You you had a feeling that he was going to request a trade as we got closer to this deadline this season? Like, you, well, you thought there was a real chance that he was going to be out
5: this season? That that part, the timing of it all, was the only part that was a, a little surprising. Even his teammates who love him, Nick Claxton, Cam Thomas, are, are two that come to mind Saturday, guys. That, that locker room just felt different. Because they're sitting there saying, we love Kyrie, we support Kyrie, but we want to stand with our team. So the, the reason I say that the whole thing wasn't that surprising is because over time, when you cover Kyrie, and when you cover Kyrie as a part of this team, you learn that, that nothing is is that surprising anymore. And I think with this particular request, with what happened over the last few days, that there were two factors in play. First... After he made it public or became public, I think within the organization there were plenty of people that were just like, okay. You know, there was almost like a sense of relief, like uh, let's make it happen this time because we're just so tired of all this because they had actually been playing well and he had been playing really well and everybody thought you get Kevin Durant back, you see what happens in the second half of the season and let's go from there in the playoffs. But the second part is... And the reason it all came together as fast as it did is now you've got a few days if you're Sean Marks in the the Nets front office to see what you can do to potentially entice KD to stay long-term without Kyrie. And that, to me, is the biggest part of all of this, of course, because it's Kevin Durant, and we just don't know exactly what he feels and what's going to happen moving forward. But you have allowed yourself, if you're Brooklyn, to have this window now to see what else is out there, and to say to Durant, "Hey, we will do everything we can to build around you. We will make these moves after this one, and then see uh, how uh, the chips fall from that point on."
3: Nick, let me ask you: Where was the disconnect? So, I, I, of the opinion for a couple of things that you just said: Kyrie playing great, great basketball. KD comes back. Yeah, they have a le- a, a legitimate chance to maybe compete for a championship. As good as as good as you know, they've had. In, in a while here, but I always felt like now that this just came out the way it did was that Kyrie would come in this season, be on his best behavior and then behind the scenes, try to work out his, his max extension. So where was the disconnect between what he was asking for and what the nets were going to be willing to offer?
5: In the end, the disconnect was all about the guaranteed money. And guys, I, I would point you back to a story from about two weeks ago that uh, our former colleague, Chris Haynes did in which he talked to Kyrie's stepmom, who also doubles as his his agent, and she said in as many words, if Brooklyn doesn't want to play ball, let's find out right now. And when that story came out, there were people in the Nets organization that were like, what the hell is this? What, What is going on? Why is this happening right now? Everybody has calmed down with Kevin Durant off the floor. Kyrie has really stepped up not only his game, but the leadership role he had in the locker room. And when that story appeared, you went, well, what does this mean? And on Friday, we figured out exactly what that meant because they weren't getting the contract and the guaranteed money that came with it that they wanted from the Nets, and that's when everything started to break down. So in my mind, this was really a relationship that was death by a thousand cuts in that there were so many different layers to it through so many different years. But in the short term— that is where the biggest disconnect came from because Kyrie thought, I'm playing really well, everything's going along pretty smoothly, I want to get the money that I feel is due to me. It didn't happen, and as soon as he figured out that wasn't going to happen, that's how we landed in the place of which we did.
2: Nick Fridell joins us here, 9870 ESPN. He has been on top of this Kyrie Irving story for the entire time and, and covering the Nets really, really well. And we appreciate you uh, joining us for a couple minutes here. You know, I, I find it interesting because you said teammates love this guy, like Cam Thomas and Nick Claxton just love this guy. Is that the prevailing thought? Because I, I can't wrap my head around the fact that he's so well-liked and, and received with all of the antics he's, he's been involved with over the years. His teammates
5: and the organization, for the most part, really like this guy, or is it just a a few select people? Well, last year, I'd I'd go back to James Harden, (laughs) because everybody appreciates the talent. Everybody knows that Kyrie is one of the most uh, gifted offensive players we have ever seen in the game. And guys, I can't stress this part enough. It's not just inside the the Nets locker room. It's all across the league. When you talk to players, there's a respect for LeBron, of course, and people respect the hell out of KD. But it's Kyrie and Steph, usually for the generation coming behind, who are elevated to a different level. But I go back to James Harden because Harden had the respect for the player that Kyrie is. But around a year ago this time, Harden was the one after a game in Chicago where he said – I'm going to give Kyrie that shot myself, talking about the vaccination shot. As we know, it didn't happen. Kevin Durant got hurt. Harden went, I don't want to play with this guy anymore. You can't count on him. And that was the beginning of the end there. So it wasn't every single teammate. But I tell you, having been around day-to-day, this group, those guys loved the hell out of him. They respected him because they knew just how talented He was for them, and he he will continue to be. So uh, I think guys were frustrated. We didn't hear about as much of that on Saturday, but there are a lot of guys still in that room now who are thinking this guy is one of the greatest players I've ever seen, and as Claxton put it, he's got to decide what he wants to do for himself, and he's got to make that call, but in the same breath, there are plenty of people in the organization who think this guy is selfish and he's only going to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And now they got him out of town and they've got to figure out what's going to happen next with Durant.
3: Nick Friedle joins us here on the show. Nick, was this something that ownership and Sean Marks ran by Kevin Durant before they pulled the trigger on?
5: Well, that <laughs> we're going to hear from Sean Marks and he'll say, well, Kevin doesn't make every decision in the organization. What I tell you in, in anecdotal evidences, they know exactly what KD represents to this team. And in the NBA, in this era, there is not a big move that happens that doesn't have some kind of sign-off or at least isn't checked off uh, by the star himself. So uh, I don't care what happens and what kind of spin appears. Kevin Durant is at the focal point of everything that the Nets do. And there is no way he wasn't made aware of what was going on and how that may impact his future.
2: Nick, does uh, this is amazing to me. Does Kyrie have an awareness of how almost impossible he is? and how he has burned bridges in Boston and with LeBron and in Cleveland and now with the Nets or is he completely unaware cuz he doesn't seem like he's a dumb guy he seems like he's a bright guy so I'm just I'm wondering how aware he is of the pol- public perception around
5: him I would tell you in my year <laughs> covering Kyrie uh, that he's aware of how people feel about him And certainly the detractors that he's gained from all three of those stops. But I'd also tell you, and I've heard him say it many times, Kyrie considers himself an artist. And I know people hear that and they roll their eyes and they think, what? He's an artist. But truly, on the basketball floor, Kyrie believes he is putting together art every night. And in that context... I really don't think he cares. <laughs> I think Kyrie feels he's going to do what he has to do in order to be successful that night. And And this is where I have to really laugh because all Kyrie did in the weeks leading up to this guy, especially after KD got hurt, was say, this is about the team. We're going to come together. I like the way we're coming together as a group. This is my family. We're going to win a, a championship and, and try as hard as we can to accomplish that goal. And then a few days ago, hey, I'm out of here. So the, the rules can always uh, be adjusted, I'd say, and for what he, he might feel or should feel as far as self-awareness goes, I think Kyrie operates in a world of one as far as basketball is concerned, and he has repeatedly in his previous stops, and he will continue to do so no matter what happens in his career.
3: Nick, what is this team now? Listen, Dan, I mean, Dinwiddie's been here before. We know what he's capable of doing. He's having a pretty good season, or having a pretty good season in Dallas. Finney Smith, good player. Uh, looks like they'll, I, I want to ask you about the moves that you think they could potentially make too, but what is this team now with Kyrie?
5: This is a good team. This is not a great team. This is not a team that can win a championship. And that, to me, guys, is the biggest issue that Sean Marks and Joe Sy and the ownership group has as far as conversations with Durant go, because in my opinion, there's not another uh, there's not another player who could come in given the assets and contracts you have on the books, specifically Ben Simmons, which we can spend another hour on uh, and I don't feel like is getting enough uh, of, of an interest from fans because they don't understand just how difficult that contract is going to be to move because he's played so poorly. But that is the problem for the Nets. They can be a really good team if Kevin Durant comes back, he plays the rest of the way, because those two guys you mentioned, they fit with KD. It's going to work. Kevin Durant makes a whole hell of a lot of guys better, but specifically the guys that they just picked up from Dallas. And uh, the assets that they'll have, that unprotected first-round pick, could be really something down the line, but that's six years away. So this team was built to win a championship this team is not going to accomplish it its goal the way it's currently constructed.
2: So Nick, is it fair to say and I'll, I'll leave the, the next one to Rick to ask about what, what's next, but is it fair to say that this Kyrie Kevin Durant was just, uh, I, I think you'd have to right, an absolute epic failure of monumental proportions?
5: This is the greatest team in this era that might have been. And in the end, there's no question. it's a failure. It was built to win several championships. And if, guys, in hindsight, if Kevin and Kyrie and and then Harden, if they don't all deal with the injuries they dealt with at various points, maybe they do win a title. Maybe that first year when everything came together, maybe, maybe it does happen. But it didn't. And then Kyrie didn't take the vaccination shot, and we know how that impacted the group. And Harden wanted out, and then here comes Simmons, who – just is not close to the same player he was in Philadelphia. So we could go through all the reasons, but in the end, when you are, are writing the obituary of this era for the Nets, absolutely this is a failure given where it was supposed to be.
3: Nick, Ben Simmons. So you mentioned how hard it would be to move that deal, and he hasn't played nearly to the level that people were hoping. My question for you is this. I haven't been a, an athlete myself. Do you get the sense that Ben Simmons actually wants to play basketball?
5: That is the question that hung around him before he got to Brooklyn. It is the question that continues to as he uh, tries to do what what he's going to do for the Nets. And, and my answer would be no. I, I don't feel like this is a guy who is going to put in all the work that you need to not only improve and get better, but be part of the fabric of the group night after night after night uh, there are there are times and moments in these games where you almost feel bad for him guys because on a human level he he just doesn't look at the rim he he doesn't look to make that extra pass to to get over to where he needs to be under the basket he does not want to go to the free throw line In my experience covering the league, I've really never seen a situation like that either. Where you have a guy a few years ago who was so talented, who looked to be a future, not only all-star as he's been, but a future Hall of Famer. And and his game just isn't close to where it used to be. And uh, having watched him and talked to enough people about that Philly run... This just does not feel like a guy who loves the game. It feels like a guy who loves being in the NBA and the money and the fame and all that. And I know he's put a lot of work into his game over time, but in order to be great for a sustained amount of time, you've got to do it day after day after day. And the work that he's put in in recent years hasn't matched up to that performance on the floor.
2: Nick, last one from me, and Rick may have another, and then we'll let you run when you have to go. Is is there any real chance that by the deadline on Thursday the Nets acquire another, I'm not going to say Kyrie Irving-level star, but another player who's
5: considered a big-time player? Guys, I went through the names late last night again. I don't see it. I think they're going to try like hell to make another move, another couple moves, but... It's the Simmons deal. That thing is an albatross. I I just don't see, even if you attach all these picks and you know, Joe Harris's contract and Seth Curry and on and on and on, I don't see that next guy out there who takes the Nets from the point they're at right now to a different level. Kevin Durant, in my mind, was the MVP prior to his injury. If he stays, he can potentially carry them through a series, at least in the playoffs, but in order to get all the way through the East, especially with Boston and Mil- Milwaukee, you have to have depth and you have to be able to lean on somebody else in that series, especially offensively. I don't see that player out there for the Nets, but uh, maybe Sean Marks is a wizard and, and he's got something else cooked up. I just think that Ben Simmons deal as part of any other deal that comes through, is going to be very difficult to navigate. So last one, Nick,
3: before we let you go. Gut feeling right now. If nothing, if no big move happens before Thursday and then the Ben Simmons deal is an albatross and everything else, are we back to where we were with KD this summer where he's asking, he's asking out?
5: Absolutely. If you're Kevin and you're going to be 35 years old in September, why are you staying here? Guys, if they keep everything intact, I talked to Bobby Marks again last night. If you are the Nets and you have everything in play, the only moves that they can make from a salary cap standpoint are you've got the taxpayer mid level and you can bring Seth Curry back. Other than that, again, we go back to Simmons. If you can unload Simmons and turn him into some kind of other asset, fine, you know, hey, go for it. But who is lining up right now? to acquire Ben Simmons, and that's where the next part of this all goes. So it would really surprise me if Kevin is here for the long haul, but having covered KD in two different places now, I've learned that he's going to make the decision he thinks is best in the moment, and now everybody waits to see what he has to say.
2: Great stuff. I mean, you're outstanding. I'm really happy that your career has kind of gotten to this level. Keep up the great work, and hopefully it'll be a, a better situation we talk to you soon with, but uh, hopefully it's not too long before we get you on again. Thanks, Nick. Guys, I appreciate it. I listen every morning, so keep rolling, all right? How about that? Nick Fridell, big fan of our show, Rick. How about that?
3: I love it. He's great, man. He really is. I told is. you.
2: Told you. He's excellent. I'm telling excellent. you, the,
3: the, more, the more I think about it and having just you know Nick on and talking about it. This was the plan the entire time with Kyrie.
2: For Kyrie to demand the, big the money inti- and then...
3: The, the entire time. Even going back to what he... How yeah, Nick described what it was like when KD went out and him talking about how the team was coming together and we're family and all this stuff that, you know, you would do to try to prove to your coaches and the, the front office that you were all in and you were someone that they could, they could sign long-term. Hang on, long-term.
2: before RJ screams at me, you're listening to the on Rothenberg, 9870 SPN, WEPN-FM, New York. Okay, go ahead. Because I know he was going to yell at me if I didn't get that in there before.
3: Well, no. And then behind the scenes the entire time, the Haynes report comes out that his stepmom, who's his agent, is behind the scenes trying to work out an extension. Right. And they don't want to give them the guaranteed money that they want. But they realize that if if that's something that we want, then we can't stay here past the deadline. So if they're not going to give it to us, we got to get out. Regardless of how he's playing, how the team is playing, what their chances to win a championship, throw all out the window. It was about him getting his money, and if they weren't going to give it to him, he was he was going to sit out, or they were going to trade him. That's right,
2: and, and they really had no choice. What what were they supposed to do, rather than than trade him? And you had to trade him because he, you know, this guy, you know that he is going to do what he wants to do. He was not going to play again for the Nets. He would have sat at the rest of the season.
3: Or even if he did play, what was the what version of him were you going to get?
2: But I don't think he would have. I think he would have been, you know, obstinate and just said, "Forget it. You know what? Trade me, or I am not playing." And I, be- I really believe he would have sat out
3: the rest of the year. That's bad news, though, man. That is bad news. with The Simmons deal, and now on top of that, you know, not being able to do enough. This odd, off- like if they don't get stuff done by Thursday, and uh, again, you go through some of the names, they're not Kyrie level. But listen, I, I mean, no drama, well coached. Everyone has a certain role. KD's still a superstar. I still don't think they can get through the east, but this offseason is the bigger problem. If they can't make that move and sell the plan to KD, mm-hmm. what makes you think that KD wants to be back?
2: He probably won't be. And you heard Nick say there's, there's no way he'd want to be. You, you know what Kyrie did? He he torched this franchise. I uh, burned it down. He torched he torched the franchise.
3: Well, yeah, but even I mean to, to the Harden stuff too. Well, that's what I'm saying. They're, like, forcing their hand to get Harden out because Harden wanted out, and then having to settle for the Ben Simmons deal, which is, you know, you got your fingers crossed hoping that he can, you know, take the, you know. Good luck. Take all the uh, necessary steps to get back to what he was. Ugh.
1: A disaster.